Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey guys, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting website. It's a real honor and privilege today to welcome a fantastic copywriter, marketer, and entrepreneur. Um, She's got all the the all-round skills. (laughs) <laughs> um, just based on five minutes of, of chatting with her uh, before we hit record. So welcome to the call, uh, uh, Kim Krause-Schwarm. Uh, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on onto the call today. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful morning here in Maryland. And yeah. uh, I know it's late where you are. I appreciate you being flexible with my schedule. <laughs> That's fine. It's only, it's only 10 o'clock at night. So oh, I'm always working at this hour anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, I've been following you for, for, I'm not sure how long now you've got a great reputation in, in, in the marketplace as a copywriter, but you're so much more than that as well. So I was wondering if you could tell people about exactly what you do and, and, uh, how you got started. Okay. Well, what I'm doing now is I still do work with clients. I'm starting to move a little bit more into helping them with their marketing strategy early on in the process. Um, too many times I've, I, I'm often brought in as that unicorn that can write the long form <laughs> copy that converts. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're working with like, geez, I wish I had been involved or, earlier. Do you know what I mean? In the process. Yeah. So I'm starting to seek out opportunities to do that a bit more. Um, at the same time, the last couple of years, I've started building my own list. I think you're on it. Um, I have a weekly, mostly weekly e-letter that comes out for free called Copy Insiders. And yeah, I think that's the I, one of the few that I actually sit down and read when it comes out. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I've started doing some of my own copywriting training programs as well. I've had a couple events that I've turned into virtual programs. In fact, I have one that I've just started making available for my copywriting velocity event. And so one of the things I've been focusing on is teaching, coaching, and mentoring um, up and coming copywriters and, and some are fairly experienced too that I've been working with and yeah. and that feels really good it's been really great to see people really progress be able to you know not spend as much time trying to just get up to speed on things and I there wasn't really anything like this around when I started as a freelance copywriter it's gosh it's been 21 years now yeah. so <laughs> um, it's been nice to be able to you know just take everything, condense everything I've been learned, I've learned and applied over the last 21 years and put it into programs that people can use. So that's what I've been doing now. Um, But you had a second question and there's kind of a long, uh, longer story about how did I get started or what's my Mm. background? Yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah. So I was always interested in getting into marketing. And I eventually, after the first couple years of working actually in an actuarial department of an insurance company, because I actually have a degree in mathematics and statistics. I knew I wanted to get into marketing. So I was able to get into a a newly created marketing division and it was marketing directly to consumers. And they brought in this guy who was doing a lot of direct mail. And of course this was well before the internet or anything like that. And um, so I did everything from, you know, creating a marketing database to uh, speaking uh, at events to, you know, writing copy for direct mail promos. And so I got a taste of it. We ended up growing that business into a $30 million in sales division 
um, the most profitable unit of the company. And then I went to go work for a company called Phillips Publishing, which at the time was probably at least three or four times as big as Agora. Very similar business model, um, newsletters with different gurus behind them, heavy mm -hmm. direct mail. Um, they worked with the very best top copywriters. People like Gary Bensavanger wrote packages for them and Jim Rutz. I mean, you name it, they worked with the very best. And when I came to join them in the early 90s, they had just launched a the first alternative health newsletter called Health and Healing with Dr. Julian Whitaker as the guru. And Clayton Makepeace had written this killer promotion that was highly successful. And it was just... You know, they were the first in their marketplace and they touched a nerve. You know, people were fed up with drugs and conventional medicine mm. and the whole idea that there were things you could do that were much cheaper and safer and natural, which is like it was a whole new idea or concept. So I joined the company. They Within the first year, they had brought in over 300,000 paid subscribers. And this was, again, it was like back then it was even $40 a year, you know, for a subscription to 12 monthly newsletters that you yeah. could get in the mail. And they had hired a few of us at the time to say, you know, what else can we sell these people on the back end? I mean, Philips was yeah. a very smart subscription-based like, model yeah. company. Yeah. And one of the things I want to talk about, too, is kind of how can you apply sort of a subscription model or that continuity model to your own business? Not necessarily continuity like we think of it, but so many entrepreneurs and businesses leave so much money on the table in terms of yeah. what to sell people on the back end. And it's kind of, I know you work a lot with funnels. A lot of people work with funnels. So much about funnels is like, what can we extract from that person and that first front end. transaction? Yeah. But yeah. The bigger picture really is, you know, how do we set this relationship off on the right foot? How do we create a path? How do we make this person feel like they just made the best decision of their life? How do we then take that and build on it and create a relationship yeah. where they're coming back to us again and again? And yeah, honestly- definitely. I don't see enough companies, even big successful companies, really doing that like we did back in the day, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and that was sort of the foundation for Phil's uh, business. And they got so big and successful, they ended up breaking up into separate companies and getting sold off. And uh, but it, when I got there, the company was just a few years shy of hitting 100 million. And then within a few years after I'd been there and a lot of other great people they hired, um, they were at 300 million in sales. So they tripled mm. in sales. And this was back in the 90s. So in today's dollars, it's probably a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you contributed, I'm sure you contributed quite a lot to that. Well, I mean, there was a lot of great people they brought in and there was just this, um, and I'm going to tell you a story, you know, more specifically about how I helped contribute to that. But one of the principles I want to get across, another, the second principle, in addition to you know, really build your, you know, go back to your customers and see what else you can sell them. I'm giving you a great example of that in a moment is create an environment that's safe for taking risk because the company president, and when I say company president, there was a founder and then there was the president of our consumer division, Bob King. And he had this very um, focused, uh, very freeing kind of attitude that if you're not failing enough, you're not trying enough new things. Mm. So it was safe to fail. 
and so many companies are just so tied into well we did one thing right let's just do that and again and again in perpetuity well it doesn't work that way right and mm -hmm. and you and you can't create an environment where people are blamed for failure or this or that because no one knows what's going to work 100 percent, right i mean you could spend yeah. all this time writing copy and we've all had this experience and everybody loves it and next thing you know it you know but then sometimes you write something people are like i don't know about that and it's like this huge winner so we all can't we, none of us can predict things but he created this environment of risk taking where it was safe to take risk so when i was hired there they had this 300,000 subscriber base we're like what else can we market to these people and so it was almost like this alternative health testing lab where we were just like, well, let's try a weight loss program or let's, somebody has this cool exercise product. Let me write a little insert and throw it out there and see, you know, an insert with ride with the newsletter. So it was fairly low cost to do and see, you know, if that flies. And, you know, we, we tried different things. And, you know, I even like, I wrote an, a, an insert, a six page insert for an air purifier that sold for $400. We all thought, well, no way that's gonna work. It was a huge winner. It worked really well. But then we had things we thought for sure would work and it'd be like a complete bomb. But again, it was, that's how we learned, you know, and over the, the four or five or six months that I was there doing that, you know, we, we developed this knowledge of what were the types of products that would work with this audience. Again, this was all new territory. Nobody was really doing anything in this market. And what we realized after a while was what people really wanted were Dr. Whitaker's own formulated uh, vitamins. And again, no one was doing that. And it seemed crazy for a publishing company to sell supplements. And so I was asked to help launch their supplement division. And it was actually a separate subsidiary. And I even came up with the name Healthy Directions. And I launched and ran that company for the first three years. And we grew it to like 23 million in sales, which is close to like, I think 40 million today within the first three years. And that was just going to the one list. It wasn't even going to outside list. It was mm -hmm. just going to the people who already had a relationship with this doctor, wanted to buy, wanted to follow him. And it was kind of a tough sell because it was a, a 10 tablet a day multivitamin okay. <laughs> and four other pills you had to take, you know, to just get the core program. That was before you started adding all the other things on that he might recommend. And, but we did this by having a path, developing a relationship, continuing that relationship and really going, you know, to the back end very frequently. I mean, from the first 10 days that somebody buys something, they're a hotline buyer. And this is like a, a long held principle in direct mail, but it applies to anything, it applies to online or anything, right? Someone gets in the mood to buy, they're excited about what you're offering. They're gonna be much more likely to buy something from you, you know, and again, we see this obviously with funnels, but you know, we can see this also in other avenues. And so we just, you know, we basically built this business with going to the same base of customers and it was ever changing and growing the base. And so I learned a lot from that experience. And I just find that a lot of companies are very focused just on that initial order or initial sale. And they yeah. are all the potential behind that. And then they're going to the next acquisition project or the next acquisition project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the, the uh, uh, company that we mentioned before we started recording, it's one of those those companies who's so focused on the front end that they're very heavily invested in paid traffic and, and uh, they're very good at that. But, uh, but on the, on the back end, it's like they do launch an event, but it's not, it's not uh, such a big part of the business. And one thing that they, they do really badly is actually uh, something that you mentioned, which got my attention uh, because it's about uh, the, the post purchase 
part of uh, of the copywriting and marketing journey you know um, how like you said how, how to make this customer uh, feel like they've made their best decision of their entire life and and uh, that's something that's, that's so important um, you know uh, I wish a lot more of my clients would, would see the wisdom in that so um, how exactly do you uh, uh, create a customer journey you know post-purchase to really maximize not only the, their value to the company but you know uh, the satisfaction uh, in their in their relationship with the company. Well, there's there's a lot of different things. I mean, uh, one way, initial way is hopefully there's some kind of leadership position you're taking in your marketing, right? Um, if you're going to convince somebody, here's why you can take you should take my supplement, or here's why you should do my self development program, or here's why you should follow me for whatever reason, right? Here's why you should follow Kim Krause Schwamm if you want to learn about copywriting. You know, you need to have you need to establish yourself as a leader and authority. You also, ideally, you have kind of a unique angle or position or opinion or something that's like, wow, I need to listen to that person. That's not what I'm hearing everywhere yeah. else, right? So there's sort of that, it's just how do you establish that authority, right? And then the second thing is, I have a different path. I have a way, I have things to show you and teach you that are gonna get you where you wanna be, you know, maybe in a different way than other people will do it. So, you know, having, you know, maybe you're not going to give it all to them necessarily right away, but you're going to let them know there's, there's more here. Like there's a journey here that I can take. Mm. You. And I, again, a lot of people don't think about it that way. It's like, I just want to get those three stock picks and I'll move on. Or, I'll, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to get my, you know, I want to lose my 20 pounds, but it's more like a path than a journey. And then it's just in all your marketing, just making them feel like, you know, congratulations, you know, you've really made a great decision, right? Just right from the get go. And you know, and, and being, getting them to actually use the product, right? Because then That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Using the product or taking yeah. the supplement, then, you know, you, you almost want to have a whole activation series, right? Of eating, yeah, yeah. whatever, just get them to use it. And then the more they get to use it and see the results, then you're going to be much more likely to say, yeah, and I've got something else here that can help you if you're interested in this issue or whatever, you know, and, and you, you just kind of create that relationship more then and, and also you can have there's a lot of things people do they have free e-letters they do things you know but i think it's more important to have the authority and have the journey that you can lead somebody on mm, mm. yeah because uh, so many companies just drop the ball as soon as the purchase is made you know uh we've got we've got that we've made that sale now let's just go and move on to the next sale where um right. where smart companies who do what you're saying you know it's it's about continuing that relationship and building upon that so that's why i was asking that question Right. I mean, I think on a rare occasion, it hasn't happened that much. Companies have had me do both the front end and some of the back end, like the welcoming series and the activation series. But mm. a lot of times they just, they skimp on those things. You know, they don't really have anybody doing it. And I guess the other principle that I wanted to share, and again, this is from working at what was considered probably one of the most successful direct response companies for several years, Phelps Publishing, and then also, you know, being a freelance copywriter and, and just, even some of the conversations, even things that come up like on the call you and I were on today, it's like people try to go cheap sometimes in building their businesses and they think, well, mm. I can do it myself or I don't have to spend very much, mm. you know, but like we all know, like if you hire like somebody like Lori Haller to be your graphic designer versus someone mm. who, you know, that has no idea what they're doing, like you're going to just completely 10x or 100x your results like right yeah, there. Of course. Right? Yeah. So, 
you know, or if you hire a good copywriter who actually knows what they're doing versus, mm. I mean, I actually have a friend who's got a business launching and he's raised more than $5 million, but he's yet to hire like an actual copywriter. He has his wife writing stuff and I looked at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you really need a copywriter, <laughs> you know, but it's like, seriously, like to invest that much in building a business and then you're going to skimp on some of the most crucial things that can really be that lever, you know, that can catapult you. And that is one of the things that Phillips Publishing never skimped on. You know, when yeah. your primary salesperson or sales force is the written word, whether it's online or direct mail mm. or whatever, your sales, your top key top, your key salespeople are copywriters, right? When you think about like what a big company, like, you know, I don't know, Dell or Microsoft or IBM, like what they spend on their sales reps, right? And yeah. you have a sales rep who's bringing in like a ton of money, like those people can make more than their division vice president and they're going to mm. Hawaii. I mean, my brother is a top salesperson, so I see, you know, he just got to go to the Ritz Carlton and Aruba, you know, so they yes. get the rewards, but like, my God, like if a copywriter is doing that for your business. So this mm. is why, you know, Phillips would just hire the very best and they would pay them huge royalties back in the day when direct mail was huge. You know, these people could earn easily earn royalty checks of at least a few hundred thousand each several times a year just for yeah. one control. And yeah. they were happy to write those checks because they definitely made at least 10 times more, 100 times more for every one of those royalty checks they wrote out. Yeah, and again, you don't necessarily have to get to that point. I don't want to scare anybody. But, you know, it's it's like, it's almost, it's frustrating to me to see how it, it can become devalued by some businesses that they don't, they think it is an area that it's not worth spending very much on. Mm, mm. I just know what a critical lever it is to building. Yeah. Yeah, this is a yeah, this is a point of uh, confusion that I have with a lot of companies as well. You know, I see um, <clears throat> uh, mega successful companies like uh, Agora Financial who know that uh, the more copywriters that they have uh, and the more they train them up, you know, um, uh, the more sales that they'll make. Whereas uh, uh, other direct response companies who you and I both know who um, you just, just get paid peanuts and they uh, um, have their uh, offices based in, in, uh, in low-paying countries so they don't have to pay the locals much and, and uh, um, they do stuff like that uh, just to, to cut back on those costs. But that's one of the things that, that I call being stupid cheap, you know. You, yes, exactly. You can, or penny wise yeah. and pound foolish, which I wrote an yeah, issue about. Yeah, that's a good one too. Because, yeah. uh, um, you know, you can, it makes sense to, to uh, not pay more than you have to for, for a lot of things in business. But when it comes to making a sale, you know, the more you can spend, the better. You know, I also had the, uh, the privilege, um, after I launched and ran the supplement business for a few years, I went to another division of the company and I was working directly with Jay Abraham. He had okay, a nice. at one point with them. And, you know, so I, I really got to learn like directly from him a lot about business. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, the kind of leverage you can get with copy, um, you know, the other thing too, is I remember researching other gurus that were in that, you know, whole entrepreneurship business. This was like back, it's gonna make me sound so old, right? Because it was like the mid nineties. Um, I don't know if you remember a guy named Michael Gerber. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. He was a big entrepreneur, business guru, but he had this whole thing like, you know, are you working in your business or on your business, right? Yeah. And again, yeah. we 
this a lot, both with copywriters and entrepreneurs. Um, I guess copywriters, to some extent, you kind of have to work in your business if you're the person that's being hired, right, to write your <laughs> copy. But you also have to work on your business. And especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to do 16 different things, you know, you may find yourself working in your business all the time, putting in these 80-hour mm. work weeks, and that is not the best use of your time. You no, know? and that's not, that's not the reason why we, we became uh, a copywriter. Yeah. You know, to work 80-hour weeks, 120-hour weeks. That's true, and it's we, also choking your growth. It's choking your, yeah. your, your, you know, you need to focus on, you can't see the big picture when you're mired in the small details. And so yeah. you need to do what you can uniquely do. And if you can hire out, copy, if you can hire out design, if you can hire out the tech stuff, whatever, you know, and a lot of people are very, well, like, I'll hire my tech stuff out. I don't want to deal with that. But they're like, <laughs> I think I'm going to write my own copy. And again, there's some people who are really good at it. I mean, I have people who have bought my programs who are entrepreneurs, and they've really benefited from learning how to write their own copy. But some of them are just yeah. more naturally suited than others. But even then, I would say, you still might be constraining your own growth because if you're busy writing a promo, you're not working on your business. You know, you're not thinking about what's that next opportunity that I need to position myself for or whatever, you know, because you're spending the hours <laughs> of your day yeah. writing copy. I see this with my husband too. He's, uh, he's got a new venture where um, he needs to just really write a lot about a topic that no one's really writing about, but he's a former IT guy at cybersecurity. And now, like the last few months, he's been spending all his time building his website. And I'm just like, you know, you're just in your comfort zone because it's not as comfortable to write the content that only he can write because of his expertise. I mean, he still does it sometimes, but, you know, we all gravitate to our comfort zones too. So I think that's mm. another thing we all need to think about, like in our business and our copyright, <clears throat> you know, gravitating to our comfort zone. Is it, is it actually hindering us, you know, because mm. it, it often does. So how, how do you tell the difference? I mean, if a copywriter is, is doing that, you know, uh, uh, like, like we all do at times, how do you tell like, um, if, uh, if what you're doing is really, um, benefiting your business or if it's holding you back, what are some of the signs of that? Well, I mean, I think that you're not going to be able to get the results you want. I mean, if you're not earning what you want to earn, you have to take mm. a hard look at, okay, where am I spending my time and am I really getting return on my investment there? Yeah, yeah. So I think that would be the number one most obvious thing. It's like, whoa, I'm just not, you know, I'm not reaching the goals that I set for myself or my income's gone down or it's just not where I want it to be. So I think that would be a huge red flag. Mm. And you really need to go back yeah, to it's, it's, what am I doing and what could I do better? Um, yeah. Mm, mm. For some, uh, I the connection. <laughs> it's not my eyes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Probably a bit uh, at the moment, I guess. Um, what other kind of stuff uh, and a, uh, a copywriter or an entrepreneur you know, start to uh, um, uh, delegate to other people uh, without uh, um, away from the core of what they do? Well, I think the other thing is you need to figure out, you know, what can you uniquely bring to the table? And, you know, many copywriters, for example, have done something else beforehand. You know, like you've worked at a major company. Of course, you were a copywriter before that. You know, obviously, I just shared with you some of the things I've done that were very, very different. Um, so, and I think that that can also kind of help build your confidence in, you know, 
approaching other clients, um, yeah. or, you know, potential clients about what you can do. And, you know, a lot of times you, you know, there's so many copywriters now, like it's a really different world from when I started. Um, you know, so you, you have to kind of differentiate yourself and establish areas of your unique expertise that you can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing this more and more with copywriters and with some of the ones that I coach. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I think, and, and then if you're obviously, if you're an entrepreneur or a small business, there's, again, there's so many people out there online, online, you know, what makes you different? Why should someone listen to you? And this kind of goes back to that whole idea of, you know, establishing your authority and having a different viewpoint, you know, and kind of being a crusader for people, you know, making people want to mm -hmm. follow you, like you're on a mission, you're, you've got, there's something driving you. And, and hopefully there is, I mean, it's, you know, I kind of miss the days of, I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of great companies over the years, but it is very much a business. And of course, I'm not being naive about business. I have an MBA, you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice when it's really coming from a true place of service and a true calling. And back when I helped launch the Healthy Direction Supplement business and we were working with Dr. Julian Whitaker, you know, it was really felt like he was on a mission. And yeah. there was no one else really talking about or doing the things he was doing. Yeah. We were bringing access to people to really what we thought were probably the finest and most unique supplement formulas. And so how do you go back and maybe retrofit that into your business? You know, is there a way to do that? Um, mm, mm. And, and, and I find myself needing to do that. Like when I write a promo, like a long form promo, I'm like, well, we don't really have a story, <laughs> you know, yeah. we just did this and we hired this one doctor and, and I have to kind of make a story. I have to retrofit something in, if that makes sense. But it's yeah, nice it to does. this to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, um, a lot of those questions, only, only, the, uh, um, only the, the, the person who owns the business can answer, you know, um, there's no one size fits all. Um, answers for, for, for them, you know, and pe yes. people are looking, people are looking for that. You know, that's why they buy a lot of products and courses and stuff. They're looking for a shortcut, but, which is fair enough, but, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Sometimes it's, you have to take, you have to take a look at, at what you're doing. Absolutely. You want to offer people the solutions that, you know, that are going to help them reach their goals in the best way. Yeah. But, um, you brought up a good point too. Like you got to talk to the owner, you got to talk to that expert, you got to talk to that guru. And, you know, I've, that's one of the main things I always do when I'm working on a promo. I mean, back when I would write a lot of newsletter promos, I would really get to know the, you know, the editor of the newsletter, the personality behind it. I mean, I don't know if you remember Louis Rukeyser. He was like really famous um, investing guy. He had a TV show. I spent like two hours on the phone interviewing him once for a financial promo. Um, Clayton Makepeace, when he, before he wrote that highly successful launch promo for the health and healing newsletter, he spent almost a whole weekend in Newport Beach hanging out with Dr. Julian Whitaker, just getting to know him, going mm -hmm. to talk, shadowing him at his clinic, hanging out with him by the pool, you know, just, and then was able to get his voice, his personality, his passion, you know, into the, you know, the sales letter, which is, you know, written from his point of view, from Dr. Whitaker's. Yeah. Um, so you almost have to, it's almost like becoming you know, I, I'm sure not that I've ever done acting, but like they probably do all this mm. stuff where they get in character. So part of it's that and a part of it's just really getting that person's head. and you pull out stuff that maybe they've never even thought about, but you help them kind of yeah. 
that's a big point too. Verbalize. Oh yeah, that's really why. Do you know what I mean? Um, Sometimes you're doing that. Like I, when I wrote that air purifier insert that I told you about, I I actually, they Phillips flew me up to uh, Buffalo, New York in the middle of winter. And I toured the factory where they made them. And I interviewed the, the guy who invented it and, and pulled out all these stories like about why, why he did it. You know, he had a granddaughter who had asthma and he was looking mm-hmm. for all these different air purifiers and none of them worked or they didn't do this or they didn't do that. So he decided to just build his own and he created this really, you know, top line air purifier. But I had this whole story that I could draw, I drew out of him by interviewing him. And so that's what you need to do as a copywriter when you're working with a client. This is what you need to do if you're an entrepreneur. Um, figure out how to pull your story out. Maybe you need to work with a good copywriter who can help you pull your story out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know a couple of those. <laughs> the more you can get that out, the better. And, you know, I just spent three days in La Jolla last week um, attending a, um, I mean, I hate to call it just like a speaking event. It's, it's, it's Bo Eason, who is a former NFL player, and he also is yeah, a I've heard of him. screenwriter or playwright. Um, but he's put together this program called Personal Story Power, and it's really for entrepreneurs to, you know, how do you pull out that personal story? You know, what is it? And sometimes it's a very personal story. It has nothing to do with your business necessarily, but there's maybe principles in yeah. whatever that turning point moment in your life or something where something changed in your and how you saw the world and it was very deeply affecting on you and then potentially there's there's very much a tie-in as to what you're doing now and why you're doing it but people you know we're all wired to hear stories it's the oldest form of communication is storytelling and Mm. so yeah the more you can really tap into your personal story the more you can work with somebody can help you pull that out you know a copywriter or maybe a therapist. I'm just kidding. But, um, but you know, <laughs> you we're almost like therapists. I did have this yeah, yeah. client I was working with and I would just talk to him on the phone like a couple times a week. And honestly, I'm not sure if he ever went with anything that we talked about, but I think it was just helpful for him to talk to me. And I literally felt like I, this must be, must be what it feels like to be a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I see. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it was more than that, but, um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta, figure out your story and you've got to use that unique angle or viewpoint and mission crusade mm. to establish your authority position, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you have some other business and, and then what is the path you take your, your client or customer on, you know, what's that journey? Yeah, that's, that was, that uh, nicely answers what was going to be your next question as well, you know, about, about how to find your mission and your purpose. And, and that's a great way to do it. Get it, get those stories out. Like the, the guy yeah. who invented the, uh, the purifier, uh, the perfect example of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are all lessons that, um, you know, up and coming copywriters and companies can apply. Uh, I think one of the things that I really feel glad that I worked at a company like Phelps Publishing was, you know, I, I never worked as a copywriter a day in my life, but I did learn copywriting there. I also learned it in my previous job, but they didn't hire people to just be copywriters. Like they hired people to come in and be marketing people. And you just wore all the different hats yeah. and felt people as business builders that way, because you right, even if you were like a junior level marketer, like you were seeing the bigger picture and you had your hands in a lot of different things, maybe for a specific business unit or product. And mm. I feel like that's such a great way to develop people. Um, and what 
I see now sometimes, and of course it's been like this for years in some companies, but you know, there's very much like the pigeonholing, you know, like, well, you only do this and you only do yeah. that and you only do that. And <clears throat> you're going to have a lot of bored people sitting around with, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. I, and I feel like too, you know, it kind of ties in, I, mean, I feel like I'm going all over the place, but like everybody says, have a niche, have a niche, have a niche. And I can see that to some extent, but honestly, I like writing for a lot of different things. I mean, I've done primarily health and supplements for several years, but for quite a while I was doing health and financial. Now I'm doing, th I'm doing like a wide variety of things. I'm even doing stuff for like a college honor society. I'm doing, yeah. and it, to me, I like, I just feel like you, you're still taking all those same principles and skills, but when you can apply them to a variety of different products and industries, it actually makes you, it, it, I think it makes you more creative because you're going to take a fresh approach with things. And then when you come back to something else that you've written before, you're going to have some new, you know, new ways of looking at it. And I feel like I've had times where I've had like my sixth or seventh or eighth supplement promotion in a row. And I'm just like, Oh my God, if I have to write another one of these, I'm going to scream, you know? <laughs> so there's, I think there's a risk like we were talking about in the uh, call earlier, like, can you really just have templates and just have, forms and you just follow this and I, I just don't see it that way I feel like if you start trying to crank your workout like that it's the quality is going to really suffer the effectiveness is going to suffer mm. Mm. Same. yeah yeah they're good they're good for training newer copywriters but once you really uh start trying to persuade with emotion you know there's no one size fits all for that either I agree and I just think it's so important to understand the full picture you know even if it's just as basic as if you're working in a company like listen in on customer service calls right talk to the people you know hear what people are saying when they call to order and what they talk about <clears throat> or better yeah. yet and I've done this with some clients I get a list of their repeat buyers for a particular product and I'll call and interview them and talk mm. to them I'll try to complete at least five to ten interviews but then I have a real picture of who I'm talking to, who's my avatar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially if, if you're a younger person and, if, and a lot of these products are being sold to much older people, you have to really do that. You have to get into their heads and understand, you know, how they think. Mm. And, I, and I'm very fortunate that from an early age, I was always marketing to the older market. Like even when I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield, we sold a lot of Medigap policies. These are insurance policies that work with Medicare to fill in like the deductibles and stuff. And I remember once being, God, I must've been maybe 26 or yeah, maybe 26 or 27 years old. And I went to go speak at this, this huge senior center about our insurance programs and they saved me till the end. They had all these other speakers. And then I got up there like some sacrificial lamb and these seniors were just so angry and they were like, oh, they're mad about their claims, not getting paid and all this. I was getting all the, you know, insurance, you know, anger. And I was sweating bullets. So I just thought, oh my God, let me just get through this. And then at the end, they all like made a beeline for my brochure. So I thought, well, I must have done something <laughs> right. But it was like trial by fire. And then I also had a, um, I did a volunteer thing where I actually would counsel seniors on their health insurance benefits for this uh, local center for aging our company really um, encouraged doing, you know, volunteer activities, but through those, those, um, those uh, activities and circumstances, I really got to know like, who is this market? And the very similar market for people who are also buying health newsletters and supplements mm -hmm. through the mail. 
so I think that, you know, I encourage people, I mean, outside of just hanging out with your grandparents now and then, like really just find a way to get to know the people in your target market. I mean, when I wrote financial copy, I remember going to a money show in Orlando and I, I had this posse of old guys that I hung out with, <laughs> you know, and they were like my buddies, but like, I could just like, I could see them. Like when I was writing, you know, a copy, I'm like, Hey, you know, here's how that person might react to this. Or here's what I think they, you know what I mean? Like I just kind of got to yeah. thought and talked. So it's, I know it's not a new thing, but these are all things that are going to really help you, you know, get your message out, you know, in a better way as a copywriter and also, position yourself better you know if you're if you're an entrepreneur yeah yeah it's, it's also important definitely um and uh, you've shared uh so much uh, uh so many gold nuggets here i've i've, <laughs> I've been uh, writing a few notes myself and i'm glad i've got this recording because i'm definitely gonna uh refer oh, yeah. back to it after i post this podcast episode so um i have one final question uh, um if you've got time for it um uh, who is the uh, weirdest or quirkiest copywriter that you've worked with in the industry? <laughs> well, I haven't really worked with too many copywriters. Um, or marketers. But I do know, I mean, because I've been a copywriter, so I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm too quirky. But uh, <laughs> I do have some funny stories. I, know, I don't want to name any names. But back when I was at Phillips, and I was an associate group publisher, you know, working with Jay Abraham. Yeah, and also, I don't know if you remember Dennis Waitley, he had, he was a very, yeah, yeah, very well-known guy. Um, so I was working directly with copywriters uh, to write promos. And there's three of them that I specifically can think of. And they're all fairly well-known copywriters today. And they were kind of, you know, some of them were closer to starting out or newer, but, um, I had this one copywriter who would, in the midst of writing his project, would always be calling me at work, you know, and I'm busy doing like 50 other things, being like mm. a publisher, marketing director, whatever I was at the time. And he'd like, how does this sound? And he'd like start reading his copy out loud to me. And I'd be like, just put him on speakerphone. I'd be doing like 10 other things. <laughs> he was so needy and he's actually a pretty well-known guy. Um, don't ever do that if you're a copywriter. Like your client does not want to be overly involved in the process. They want to feel like they've hired somebody who knows what they're doing, is going to go away and do that work, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, aside from maybe that initial in-depth discovery interview of whoever the guru is or the founder of the company or whatever, <clears throat> like you need to just go away. Like once you've gotten your whole start kit, you've done your interview, go away and do the work and they really shouldn't have to bother you but i just remember having this experience with this copywriter and i mean he would just i mean it was almost like every day i'd be like oh no it's not this person again and just like reading his latest draft over the phone yeah, yeah. Like, was, <laughs> talk about quirky it was very quirky and that's very interesting <laughs> so don't ever do that if you're a copywriter no, i remember good point thanks for that <laughs> well hopefully most people would have the sense not to do it but this was a pretty established person at the time too i was surprised yeah that's really interesting. I'm gonna definitely gonna ask you about that after we get after we stop recording. <laughs> but I'm sure you won't tell me that either. So thanks, thanks for uh, sharing all that stuff. It's really interesting. Extremely valuable. It's so many copywriters I've experienced this myself. You know where we we write so much copy for our clients that uh, 
that, you know, we neglect, neglect our own businesses and for the entrepreneurs listening as well, you know, it's, it's so important and they need to take action on all this stuff. So um, I know that you've got uh, uh, an interesting uh, program as well that people can find out more about uh, as well. You want to find I, out more about you? Um, I'm actually going to have a special offer this week. So people might want to get on my list at copyfighters.com. Yeah. Of course, this is going to be coming out a few weeks kind of late. Um, but starting June 5th, I have a series of four weekly calls that I'm going to have some really amazing guests on as well. And we're going to be doing some control breakdowns. We're going to be doing some on-the-spot hot seat coaching. We're going to be doing some live copy critiques that people submit their copy for. And I'm going to have Richard Armstrong as a guest one week. I'm going to have Carlene Anglais-Cole as a guest another week. Lori Haller, who is a fantastic designer. And also Big Jason Henderson, who's an email marketing expert. So that series of calls is starting June 5th. Um, but I also have my complete copywriting velocity virtual program, which is at copywritingvelocity.com. And that's going to give you the full day copy intensive where I presented like my soup to nuts copywriting process. I went into all the different components of the successful, you know, sales letter. We covered emails, upsells, et cetera. Um, and I also have some in-depth training modules on headlines, fascinations, leads, and offers and closes, as well as an interview I did with um, Lee Euler, who is the founder of Green Valley Natural Solutions and also oh, yeah. was a top legendary copywriter for many years. He wrote The Plague of the, of the Black Debt uh, for Agora, which is one of those classic promos. Yeah, yeah. So really a lot of great nuggets in that interview and also some control breakdowns with, that I also did in some small group training. So you get all of that in that program. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, awesome. And yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, you can go to geniusofcopywriting.com. I'm going to chuck up those uh, those URLs and those links yep. uh, on the yep. on the uh, the page that we have for you, um, which uh, um, they'll be able to see there. Um, but if they're listening in on iTunes now, what, uh, what were those, those uh, websites again? Well, probably the best place to go initially is um, you can go to kimschwam.com, K-I-M-S-C-H-W-A-L-M.com. Or for a shortcut to get on my list, go to copyinsiders.com. And then for my program, it's Copywriting Velocity, V-E-L-O-C-I-T-Y.com. Um, and then you can find out all about that program. There. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some great resources and I, and I highly recommend everyone should go, go to, go do that now, go and check that out. Um, I know that you've got some great stuff there, Kim. And, and if, if what you shared on this call, uh, on this episode, uh, uh, has been, uh, so valuable, can't imagine what, uh, what uh, it would be like to go through all of that stuff. So that's priceless. So I really okay. appreciate you coming on, on the call today. So thank you. It's thank really you my much. pleasure to finally get to know you better and see you. And, same. Yeah, and same. Thank you. And, uh, thank you very much. Great you're doing this podcast. I'm sure it's helping. Yeah. Well, we'll, have to, we'll have to do this again sometime because I'm sure you've got plenty more to share. I'm yeah. interested in more stories. I would love to. I got plenty more stories. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Let's do, let's do that sometime then. Okay. That's I'll, I'll talk plan. to you soon. Thank you. Okay. You have a good evening. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.